Let's read together Joshua chapter 9, verses 1 through 15. In this first half of the chapter, we read about the deception of the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were able to trick Joshua and the leaders of Israel into making a covenant with them. Joshua chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on this side of the Jordan, in the hills and in the lowland, and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard about it, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors. And they took old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves. And all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion king of Heshbon and Og king of Bashan who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, Take provisions with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants. Now therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot for our provision from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. And these wineskins which we filled were new, and see they are torn. And these garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Let's begin our study of Joshua chapter 9 with some background notes. The overall strategy for conquering the land of Canaan was first to divide the country in two with a central campaign and then conquer the south of the country with a southern campaign and then finally conquer the north of the country with a northern campaign. The fall of Jericho and Ai in chapters 6 through 8 were part of the central campaign designed to break the backbone of the enemy. With the conquering of Ai, Israel now had a toehold in the hill country of Canaan. The city-state of Gibeon was only a few miles from Ai, and the Gibeonites realized that they were probably next in line to be conquered. The Israeli fighting machine was sure to move in their direction to complete the central campaign. So the Gibeonites decided to try and trick Israel into making a peace treaty by dressing up and making it appear as if they were ambassadors from a foreign nation. The plan worked. Apparently, the Gibeonites knew what God had told his people under the law, namely that Israel was to wipe out all the pagan inhabitants of the land of Canaan. They were not to make peace treaties with any of the Canaanites. However, they could make peace treaties with nations and city-states outside the land. I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 20, 
beginning at verse 10. When you go near a city to fight against it, then proclaim an offer of peace to it. And it shall be that if they accept your offer of peace and open to you, then all the people who are found in it shall be placed under tribute to you and serve you. Verse 15. Thus you shall do to all the cities which are very far from you. Verse 16. But of the cities of these peoples which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance, you shall let nothing that breathes remain alive. But you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittite and the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite, just as the Lord your God has commanded you, lest they teach you to do according to all their abominations which they have done for their gods, and you sin against the Lord your God. So the Gibeonites knew about this arrangement and therefore tried to trick Joshua and the children of Israel into thinking that they were from a very far country and thus make a peace treaty with them. The deception worked. Joshua and the leaders of Israel made a peace treaty with them. Look at verse 15. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. But notice verse 14. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. That brings us then to our doctrinal or teaching points for this first half of Joshua chapter 9. Doctrinal point number one. Deception is a trademark of the enemy. Deception is a trademark of the enemy. The book of Joshua is not only the inspired account of the military conquest of Canaan. It is a handbook for spiritual warfare. All the tactics of the enemy in the book of Joshua illustrate for us the tactics that Satan uses to try to defeat us. And that's certainly true here in Joshua chapter 9. Deception is a trademark of the enemy. The New Testament clearly teaches that one of Satan's primary tactics is deception. Ephesians 6 verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. And 2 Corinthians 11.14 says that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan does not only come at us head-on as a roaring lion, 1 Peter 5.8, but deceptively as an angel of light. We can be sure of this. This is what the Bible teaches. This is doctrine. Deception is a trademark of the enemy. And just as the Gibeonites knew exactly what God's law said, so Satan knows what God's word says, and he will try to trick us into making mistakes and doing the wrong thing. He may even use scripture, as he did in the temptations of our Lord. You know, you can be sure that in every major decision that you have to make as a Christian, Satan will try to trick you into making a wrong decision. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can be sure that Satan is trying to deceive you into thinking that we're just a bunch of religious fools around here playing church and you'd be kissing your brains goodbye to receive Christ as your Savior. You can be sure that that's going on in your mind right now. And if you're here this morning as a Christian, you can be sure that whatever decision in life that you're facing right now, job change, marriage, 
buying or selling a home, Christian service, whatever. Satan is trying to deceive you into making a wrong decision. You can be sure of it. Deception is a trademark of the enemy. And the wrong decision will look so right. The Gibeonites certainly looked like they came from a far country. I mean, after all, old sacks, worn-out wineskins, patched clothes and sandals, moldy bread, and they certainly talked a good line as well. Notice how they didn't mention the recent victories over Jericho and Ai. Only victories on the other side of the Jordan. Look at verses 9 and 10 once again. So they said to him, From a very far country your servants have come, because of the name of the Lord your God. For we have heard of his fame, and all that he did in Egypt, and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Asherah. Notice they didn't mention Jericho and Ai. Why not? Well, after all, if they were from a far country, they wouldn't know of these recent victories. Very crafty. Be careful, fellow believers. Deception is a trademark of the enemy. Doctrinal point number two. Deception is a trap of the enemy. Deception is a trap of the enemy. The Gibeonites, you see, were not just interested in deceiving Joshua and the children of Israel. This was just the means to the end. They wanted to trick Israel into making a covenant. This would permit them to stay in the land and keep Israel from fully possessing the land. Do you see the spiritual lesson here for us? Satan is interested in more than just tripping us up and tempting us to sin. He wants to trap us into making covenants and decisions which compromise our testimonies long term. He wants to entangle us in this world for a lifetime. He wants to keep a foot in our lives so that we are ineffective Christians and not fully possessing and enjoying the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. Satan does not want us to fully possess the spiritual land that God has given us. Satan loves to get a believer married to an unbeliever. Think of the potential to glorify God that is lost when a believer makes a mistake and disobeys the word of the Lord and marries an unbeliever, maybe tricked into it. Satan loves to get a believer entangled in this world in some way. He knows that a Christian operating on mixed principles is ineffective and that he can still claim a piece of the territory, as it were, which is not totally dedicated to the kingdom of God. And the snare will look so normal. Traps are designed that way. Otherwise, they wouldn't be traps. How can it be so wrong when it looks so right? Deception is a trap of the enemy. What about practical application from this first half of Joshua 9? Let's look before we leap. Let's look before we leap. Now, I'm sure you've heard that expression before, right? Let's look before we leap. It's a good warning and certainly applies here. Before we leap in making decisions and choices, we should look. Check it out. We should look vertically and we should look horizontally. You understand that, right? Look vertically, look to the Lord. Look horizontally, check out the situation. Israel did not look before they leaped. They didn't look vertically. Verse 14, 
Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. And they didn't look horizontally either. Look back at verse 7. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? That's as far as Israel looked horizontally. The Gibeonites said that they were from a very far country. Israel never even asked what country. Israel never checked out their story. Israel never asked for any credentials. After all, they looked so honest. And they talked about the Lord. What a lesson for us. You know, I know Christians who jump on every ministry bandwagon where they see a little sign or wonder taking place. They don't check it out or pray. Is it really of the Lord? Listen to what our Lord said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And notice verse 23. The Lord doesn't deny that they had done these things. He says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Not I once knew you, and now I don't. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Many other examples could be given here where Christians do not look before they leap, and they end up entangled in situations that they never thought possible. Let's not give the enemy a chance to stay in the land. Let's look before we leap.